Now we turn to the Old Testament Scriptures to Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, pages 85 and 212 in our Pew Bibles. Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, well-known passages listing the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. One verse covering commandment number five, the fifth commandment in each of these portions of Scripture. Let us listen to God's Word. in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 12. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. 516. There's a, it's a, as we would call Deuteronomy 5, it's a revised version of Exodus 20. Notice there's a little bit different, uh, a little longer than Exodus 20, verse 12. Deuteronomy 5.16 Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. May God bless this brief reading of His Word. <clears throat> It is providential. I feel that here, at least in North America, I'm not sure about Great Britain. We have some listeners from Great Britain and and beyond in Europe. Today is Father's Day in North America, at least in the United States. I don't know even about if Canada is, is, uh, is the observation. I will get this off my chest that I wish it was on Saturday because all we know we all know that that Sunday's the Lord's day. But having said that, I don't know if if, if it's uh, observed in other places than in the United States or in North America. But we have been looking at the Ten Commandments in our studies, and the fifth commandment happens to be beginning today. The fifth commandment. And we think about Father's Day, and as you know, the fifth commandment is is dealing especially with followers, with children. The heart of the Ten Commandments has to do with family. We looked at for two weeks the fourth commandment is addressed to superiors. And I hope you don't mind uh, in this politically correct world that our, our forefathers called fathers and mothers, superiors and children, um, inferiors. But that may offend a lot of people. But nonetheless, I am an inferior to my father and mother. Though we're equally human, they are my father, they were, they still are, uh, my father and mother, as it were. And I think there's only uh, uh, three of us or two of us in this room that don't have any that do not have a father or a mother, but the rest of you have at least a father or both a father and a mother, and uh, certainly a day to, to honor your father if he's still alive and your mother previously just a few weeks ago. Um, I understand that this command is in the category of of uh, fathers and mothers, not just who are naturally so. As you know from, for instance, our uh, our confession of faith, it, the the uh, um, shorter and larger catechism regards fathers as not just those who are who are naturally so, but we look at, for instance, the fathers in different categories. There are political fathers. There are spiritual fathers. There are what we might call domestic fathers who are employers. There are 
other kinds of fathers in the world. And the scripture recognizes that. For instance, Elisha, when his mentor, Elijah, ascended to heaven, what, what was his reaction? My father, my father. He had been a spiritual father to uh, Elisha. And uh, we find that there are different kinds. But this morning, I'd like to focus on natural fathers, natural parents, and Lord willing, next week on the other categories or the other kinds of fathers and mothers as we look at the fifth commandment. So, our thoughts today are parents are our first neighbors to love and to honor. You know that this is the first commandment of what's called the second table of the law. It covers, it's, it's the first that is under the category of the second great commandment of the law. The first great commandment is a summary of the first four commandments of the Decalogue. Remember that one lawyer said, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, the, the great commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and soul and mind and strength. Quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you look at the comparison between those, and he said, The second is, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You can, for instance, go to the New Testament, and when Jesus quoted, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, he quoted Numbers 6 or Numbers 5 through 10. He did not quote Numbers 1 through 4. So you can conclude that. Commandments 1 through 4 deal with man's relationship with God. There's a vertical, okay? And it's summarized by loving God with all of your being. The second table of the law, which may have been on the back of each of the stones, uh, some say that there were the two stones had the first four on one stone and the set the second or the the, fi- the final six on the second stone but it may have, since it was a covenant both parties get a copy of the covenant and it may indeed be that both tables of stone had all 10 commandments on them perhaps the first four were on the front side and the back the next six were on the back side and god was to have one copy And Israel was to have another copy. But again, we won't know that until we get to glory. But thou shalt uh, honor your father and your mother comes under the category of the horizontal love. Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. That's why I say that, that our parents are our neighbors. They're our first neighbors as we grew up. And uh, they are to be loved, and they are to be honored, and the Bible also includes there they are to be obeyed. And obviously, to a certain point, when you and I leave the home, we still honor our parents, though we may not, we're not under the category of obedience because we we uh, start our own homes and we become fathers and mothers ourselves. So. Certainly this is, is uh, providential today as we think particularly of fathers. But we start in the home our, where our first neighbors uh, appeared to us as we were little children. Man's relationship with man. And uh, again, Jesus considers the fifth commandment as the second, uh, under the second greatest commandment in the law. Now, you and I may have thought of something different as the first commandment in the second table. We might have said, well, don't you think thou shalt not murder should be first? Or or marriage, thou shalt not commit adultery, shouldn't that be number one? No, the Lord knew what he was doing. He starts in the home. He starts with parents. And it's really foundational for the rest of the commandments. Our parents teach us to respect life, number six to respect someone's purity, number seven, to to respect someone's um, property, number eight, to respect someone's integrity, number nine, to respect someone's 
lot in life, if you will, number 10. Thou shalt not covet. It starts with the parents teaching us in the home. And it indeed is the first of the last six commandments in logic and as well as in spirit. It's the first of the horizontal commandments about love. And you and I are told it should be in the heart, first of all. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. That's the motivation, the primary motivation for obedience. And again, as I said, the fourth commandment is directed to leaders to keep the Sabbath holy and to facilitate holiness in those who are followers. But this commandment is directed to inferiors or followers, as it were, to facilitate the leadership of, of our fathers and mothers. And certainly to obey God and who teaches us submission and who delegates authority to whom He will. But again, this is the ca- a category of fathers and mothers of a different kind. But I'm going to focus on natural fathers and mothers. Obviously that's true. Like Adam and Eve. Like uh, fathers and mothers that have brought us into the world. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Though that certainly was, that expression was used of them being spiritual fathers in the nation. They nonetheless were fathers, grandfather, and great-grandfather. But it's foundation to loving our neighbor that we honor our father and our mother. You know, someone might say, well, my father wasn't honorable. My mother wasn't honorable. That The Bible does not tell us that there's a condition to this command. Only if our fathers and mothers are honorable shall we honor them. Now, it certainly helps if they're honorable to facilitate our honor and obedience. But nonetheless, it challenges, especially believers, our faith and our love for God to submit to, to love, to honor a parent that may be froward or unreasonable or ungodly. That's that much more to prove the grace of God in our lives. Can't we at least say, and certainly we can, God gave them to us. Who our, our fathers and mothers are who they are. We wouldn't be here without them under God. Can't we say they begat us, they fed us, they clothed us, they bathed us, they tucked us in, they taught us, disciplined, drove us. Oh, I could say drove, 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 drove my poor mother. Everywhere I had to go, it was mom. Well, dad drove as well, but it was mom for the most part that I remember ball games and after school activities and parks and swimming pools. and It was mom. They wept over us. They attended our events. They boasted about us. They called us. They wrote us. They corrected us. They encouraged us. They loved us. And you, someone might say, well, Only one of those applies to my father and mother. and They begat me. Well, it's enough. They're your dad. They're your mom. But it starts in the heart. Love is the primary motivation for this command. And the Lord says, if you love me, you'll keep your command. It's love for God to keep this commandment. It's love for our neighbor father, our neighbor mother, our parents. Now this command here says honor, and obviously elsewhere it adds obedience. But this word honor, what does it mean? You know, you can tell it's a, it's a word of the heart, isn't it? It's a word of the mind. It's not necessarily a, an outward, active thought like obedience. Again, it's in the heart. The word honor comes from a word which means weight or glory. The word it's Kabod. And you know that you know the, the name of the boy that was Ichabod, Ichabod, which means no glory. Whatever was the circumstances of that poor young man being born, his 
mother or his father or his parents said, we're going to name him Ichabod. Well, the point was obviously that in Israel that um, it was an ungodly nation and they were under the oppression of the Philistines. But yet, we hope that he overcame his name. We know a one man named Ichabod Spencer who was a minister in, in New York City or in the vicinity of New York City. And you've got to read the... the the, uh, the uh, what do they call those? The, the dialogues between him and souls. But I don't know why his parents named him that. Maybe they felt uh, that New York was ungodly and it was an ungodly time. And to remind him to pray for the glory of God to come back. And certainly during his ministry, it seems like the glory of God visited his district, saw many people converted to Christ. But this word is kabod, not ikabod, kabod. It's the word to be weighty. For instance, it's used of a gracious woman who retaineth honor, retaineth kabod. Before honor is humility. So it means to be heavy. And it's used actually of, of Eli who was heavy. So it's used physically, literally as someone that's heavy. But spiritually, it's, in other words, you're saying, I'm feeling weight. For, I, I, I give weight to my parents. I don't lightly esteem them. They're not light to me. They're heavy to me. They're, I give them weight. In other words, they're big in my eyes. And it's up to us to make our parents big in our eyes. It's God's will. He says, honor your father and mother. Well, they may not be big. Make them big. That's His command. It's the grace of God. It's His power alone. It means to respect them in your heart. To acknowledge their position. You know, someone might say, and this applies to political fathers, and you know, it's, it's, it's where the rubber meets the road with the present administration. It's wrong for us to read signs along the highway about Mr. Biden, that demean him, that dishonor him. It's against the will of God. As much as we're, we're upset and disappointed and grieved over the lies and the ungodliness of this administration, God has placed him as our president. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself next week, but some will say, if I'm, if, I'm in a, if I'm in an assembly room like I was the other day at a Boston town meeting and Mr. Biden walked in, I would stand up. Now, I wouldn't stand up if he came in here. This is, this is the Lord's house. He needs to come and sit down and listen to God's Word. I don't believe it would be right for me to stand up in a church. But you t if, I'm in some, if, if I'm at my house... Or if I'm at an assembly room or I'm somewhere in a, in a building and he walks in, I'm going to stand up because I respect the position, the office. Not not, the Lord isn't necessarily saying that your honor indicates that that person is honorable in and of himself, his character, her character. But the position is honorable. You say, well, what if it was a coup? What if they were un? Uh, righteously brought up into office. We have that in the Bible. They're still there by providence, though it might be by deception. God allowed it. I know there's a debate over, say, for instance, Athaliah usurping authority, and they demoted her in time. But you know what I mean. The Bible tells us to count them as valuable. That's what it means, to count them as valuable. To say, they're the world to us. I respect the position, I respect the place that God has given them. For we're acknowledging the Lord, who's the one that sets up kings, sets up fathers and mothers, and demotes them. By me, kings reign. And you can use that in every realm of, of authority. By me, 
I gave you the, your father and mother. By me, the president reigns. And Peter said, we're to submit not only to the good, but to the forward. And you know, when Paul and Peter said to submit and to honor the king, it was Nero, a wicked Caesar, that they said, honor him. And that's in 1 Peter chapter 2. You know, the sins that plague this world, one of the major sins in Romans 1.30 and 2 Timothy 3.2 is disobedient to parents. Those, those, that's a vice in those vicious catalogs. And you look at 2 Timothy 3 verse 2, Sometimes in those, in those lists, you look at the, the vices that are on either side of them and you see how they relate. In 2 Timothy 3.2, you have blasphemy, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and unthankful. You see how they all go? A blasphemous, slanderous spirit, disobedient to parents, and then unthankful. Unthankful for the authority that we, we give. It all goes together. We need to be those who speak well of others and those who are thankful even for froward ones for they teach us to be humble and prayerful. <clears throat> you look at one of the first problems between a parent and a child in the Bible was a parent that wasn't honorable in, the, in that instance. Think back in Genesis. Chapter 9, a godly man named Noah. Remember what happened? Noah became a, a farmer, or what, what do we, he, 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 he raised a vineyard. And he didn't watch himself, and he got drunk. And I don't know all the circumstances, but he was laid out in his tent, drunk. Not a good testimony. Not honorable. And we're told that one of his three sons went in and we're not exactly sure. We know this much that he, was, he mocked his father. He, he saw his father's nakedness and he went out and told his two brothers in a mocking way. And the two brothers took a blanket or took a garment and they went backwards into the tent and covered their father. And the Bible says it's not Noah that was condemned in that state. And it's Ham, his son, whose descendants were cursed. Now, Noah didn't do right. He didn't facilitate the obedience of his, of his son. But it's the son that's condemned, not the father. And though our fathers and mothers may become dishonorable or do things that are improper, unrighteous, we are responsible to show respect. What should Ham have done? He should have gone back out of the tent and said to his brothers, let's go cover Dad. But it seems like he mocked his father for his drunkenness. How do we respond to something that our parent may do dishonorably? Do we rail upon them and slander them? Or do we plead with them or pray for them or do what we can to change them, as it were? And the greatest example of someone who would honor someone that may be dishonorable, our Lord Jesus Christ, sinless, pure, undefiled. The Bible says he subjected himself to two sinners, Joseph and Mary. He subjected himself. Jesus, the Son of God. If Jesus would submit and honor and obey his father and mother, and were they perfect? Were they always honorable? You we read of Mary that she didn't show very much respect when they when she, along with her children, said we need to get him away from the crowd. He's stirring up people. He's, he's beside himself, it literally says. In other words, his family thought he was crazy. That's not respectful. 
Now by then he was out of the home. And he said, Behold, my mother and brothers and sisters. But nevertheless, that was one of the last things Jesus did before he died, was honor his mother and make sure she was taken care of before he died. Even unsaved and harsh and negligent fathers and mothers should be honored. Our minister in Indianapolis was sharing that when he called his father and mother to tell them that they had that their first grandchild was born, think of the joy that Jeff had to call his dad and mom and tell them about their first grandchild. And they were happy and they told them almost in the same breath, we're getting a divorce. How would you like that to happen when you call with the good news of a child being born? And Jeff said he had everything in him to try to, to, re, to refrain from being bitter. He said, I, I was bitter. He said this publicly. And God had to work in my heart. I blame my father. Bud Talbert has the story. He had a he, has a, he had a father who was a a uh, a doctor, and he left his mom, divorced his mom for another woman, and for a long time they had a difficult thing. Obviously, a difficulty to approach their father, but in time God gave them grace. The woman died, and their mom got Alzheimer's, and the dad gets saved. And he visits the mom before she dies and weeps over her in repentance of what he did. Now that story ended pretty well, didn't it? Jeff doesn't know if his dad was, was saved, but he was asked by his father's second wife to have the service. And he said, I tried to honor my father in that service. Not hiding that he wasn't a perfect man. We need to honor our parents. I had a difficult time when my dad and mom were separated for years. I had a difficult time with bitterness. I wasn't saved at the time. And I pled with my dad to return. And he did return. And you know, toward the end of his life, When my mother got Alzheimer's, he took care of her even after she bit him time and time again. Not everybody has a a happy ending to stories, but we need to honor our father and our mother. Though they may have been drunken people, Billy Sunday has the story that he wasn't a godly man. And you know who Billy Sunday was that He was the one that contributed to seeing the Buffalo City Mission started. But when his father was dying, his father said, you have broken the heart of your wife and you're making me go down to the grave in sorrow. How would you like to hear that before your father dies? But he got saved. Deuteronomy 27:16 says cursed be he that setteth light by his father or mother the word means esteem them lightly to debase them to despise them cursed god's saying i'll deal with you if you are treating your parents with with light esteem with scorn even solomon Remember Solomon from 1 Kings 2. He's sitting on the throne. He's the greatest king, well, at least he's the king that had the, the greatest peace and freedom. And They were all sitting under their vine and under their fig tree. The wisest king outside of Christ ever to live, I think we can all agree with. He sits on his throne and his mother approaches and comes in the room. And Does he say, get down on your knees, mother? No, he gets off his throne and he bows down to her, Bathsheba. Now, she didn't have a very very good reason for being there. He didn't take her, her uh, 
her, I don't know if it was advice or her request, she requested that one of his brothers marry David's final maid that was taking care of him on his deathbed. He knew that that was a way to circumvent Solomon and try to become king. But nonetheless, we see that the honor that Solomon paid to his, his mother. God above all is our Father, isn't He? And He is to be honored. But He is honored when we honor all authority that He has delegated underneath Him. He says, Him that honors Me, I will honor And Jesus even said of His own disciples, He that honors you honors Me and honors My Father who sent Me. If we honor our parents, we're honoring God. If we dishonor our parents, we dishonor God. Again, there's no condition to their character as far as whether we honor them or not. And you and I know there's a promise attached to this that it might be well with you and that you might live long on the earth. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be healthy and wealthy all the rest of your life if you've honored your parents. As, as well, as, as the, obviously it's saying as, as, it, as it pleases God in His will, you will, be, you will live well and long. But living well and long does not necessarily mean quality or quantity. Robert Murray McShane died at 29 and was one of the most godly men that ever lived. And Hugh Hefner lived to be 91 and was one of the most ungodly men that ever lived. That doesn't mean that he necessarily honored his parents. Maybe he did. But as far as God is concerned, and I don't want to say, well, what if, what if I don't honor my parents? Do you want to find out what it, is, what it is not to be well? It doesn't necessarily mean physically that we'll get disease. Just not be well in our conscience, in our hearts. And I don't want to find out that if I dishonor those in authority over me, then I'm going to be cut off and die prematurely. I don't want to find out. Like that one man that said, I just am curious to die unprepared what it's like. I don't want to be curious what it's like to dishonor my father and mother and those in authority over me. Wellness and longevity. Oh, that God would. You can live a short life and live long. Can't you? There's a long life that's of a miserable existence. Like Fidel Castro, he died at 90. There's a long life that is heaping great rewards. Moses and Caleb and Anna, Simeon, John the Apostle, Polycarp. They threw him to the lions in his 90s. Daniel dropped down in the lions then at 90. Methuselah, Noah, they lived a long life. They honored their parents. There's a short life that's like a flower picked before it wilts. Like McShane, like James the Apostle, like Jesus at 30 years old. Stephen, Isabel Bonner. What a shock to her husband. She had their, a baby and unexpectedly after three hours of suffering, gone. Abel may not have ever been able to be married. And of course, you and I know that the earth spews out sometimes people cut off in a short life. And obviously we need to be careful because perhaps some of these people may have been saved before they died for all we know. We don't know. Elvis died at 42. Hitler at 56. Herod at 54, Michael Jackson at 50, John Lennon who said he's more popular than Jesus Christ, he died at 40. 
I don't want to be in that category. Do you? Could I conclude with just some thoughts about how we should honor our fathers and mothers? I mentioned honor, obviously, to respect them. But the Bible goes on to say, especially for those who are in the home, children, obey your parents. Number one, in the Lord. Number two, in all things. For it's well-pleasing to the Lord. And then he says again, it shall be well with you and you will live long on the earth. In the Lord, as obviously the idea is, if if you're in Christ, you've got the motivation of obeying God. It's God's will. You've got a, a motivation that most children don't have. They can't obey in the Lord. They have to obey in the flesh. But we have the Lord to help us, no matter what the character of our parent might be. But obedience, we have the motivation. It's well-pleasing to God. It's the motivation of love. We love our parents. The motivation that it's going to be well with us. And I don't want to know the opposite. The propriety of it, it's right. The Lord says it's right. It's, it's righteousness. And notice He doesn't give the category only in this category. He says, in all things. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? In other words, if they ask me, if my mom asks me to scrub the kitchen floor with a toothbrush, I need to scrub the kitchen floor with a toothbrush. It might be to discipline me. If my dad says go out and, and get a switch from the, from the uh, willow tree, I need to get a switch from the willow tree. Now you and I understand that, that there are commands that a parent might give that are contrary to God's Word. We still need to be respectful. Respectfully disobedient. If my father says go and kill that man, I'm not going to do it. Go and steal that item. I'm not going to do it. Go ahead and lie to your boss. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say respectfully, Dad, Mom, your authority is under God. His commands are superior to your commands. I love you and I respect you. I honor you as my parent. But I have to give account to God and so do you for how you parented and how I responded to your parenting. They told Peter and John and the disciples, do not preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And he respectfully said, we must obey God rather than men. We do so respectfully if we have to disobey or not follow the command of our parent. The Bible tells us indeed, secondly, we are to honor them. And we've looked at that category. But I want to say that it's in the heart and it's the Bible talks about our eyes are... It's an interesting thought here. It says that the, the person that dishonors his parent... Proverbs thirty seventeen. The ravens shall pick out his eyes. It's an interesting metaphor. Apparently, it, it's it's a bird when it sees something that thinks it's dead, it's going to hit the eye first. And you and I do that. You and I have done that. If you drop a deer, you don't dare stand over a deer unless you first take the butt of your rifle or a little stick and touch the eye and make sure there's no blinking. You can tell if a deer is dead. And, and what a picture of, of, a, of a child being smitten by God and a bird coming to pick at its eyes. Our speech, the Bible says in, in the Scriptures, if we curse our father and mother, we'll be executed. Or if we smite our father and mother, you'll find this in Exodus 21, both were capital crimes. How many of us would be alive today 
if God took our lives for cursing or smiting our parents. And the Bible tells us it's, it's, it's like this generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. One of the worst sights or sounds you see in a place is to see a child curse, speak evil of their parent. Of course, we see the reverse as well. Saul didn't help Jonathan out when he said, Thou, what did he say? Thou, thou child of a, of a wicked woman. And I'm paraphrasing. When Jonathan was trying to entreat his father not to murder David, David has been a help to you. He's been a help to the nation. And I can't get the words out, but thou, and he blasphemed. His son. He didn't, he didn't facilitate honor. But you look at Jonathan, he still honored his father. Though he went off in a, in a rage, in righteous indignation in one, one spot, he was entreating his father all along to not be ruthless. I know our time is almost gone. Thirdly, we're to listen. Maybe that should have been the first one. You look at Proverbs chapters 1 to 9. For the most part, it's all, listen, my son. Hear, my son. I think, if I'm not correct, there are 72 times you have the word hear, listen, or a similar word in the first nine chapters before you really start to get instruction, chapter 10. It isn't the first... The first step to, to learning is to listen. And I still, I still need to listen. Think, here's a good test. When someone's talking to us, are we framing the response before we hear them out? Now I understand that your mind works, that you're, you're trying to respond, but is your primary thought... Hear him out. Hear her out. Or is it your retort? It can be self-centered. But over and over again, my son, listen. Listen to your father that begat you. Listen to your mother. For, and it, even after chapter 9, Proverbs 23-22, Hearken unto your father that begat you, and despise not your mother when she's old. Listen. It's a key to learning. We, we, always, we have always room to learn. On my deathbed, I hope I'm listening and learning. Fourthly, the Bible tells us to fear our parents. Look with me in Leviticus 19. That's what it says. Leviticus 19 and verse 3 says, Ye shall fear every man his father and his mother, and keep my Sabbaths. Notice you got both tables of the law there. You see how your respect for your parents is indicative of your respect for God and His Word. Fearing, God, fearing your commandments is obviously a, a result of respecting the Lord in His day, and vice versa. It just it shows the, the relationship. In other words, you don't fear and respect your parents, you're probably not fearing and respecting God. It means to respect. It doesn't mean to be you know to cower. You know, here comes dad up the sidewalk and the child hides behind the, you know, hides in the closet. That's not what it means. But we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us and we gave them reverence. We're told in Hebrews 12.9. One man said, The connection of these two precepts of fearing your parents and keeping the Sabbath is significant, even as honoring of parents stands foremost among human duties. The sanctification of the Sabbath is the first step towards holiness in the spiritual life. So we fear. God help us to respect those in authority over us. The fifth, the fifth one we find in the Bible is boast. Interestingly, 
Proverbs 17.6 says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. The word glory there is the boast of their fathers. There's something neat, isn't it? We all did this, didn't we? My father's bigger than your father. (laughs) My mom can cook better than your mom. We should... We should invite that. I hear it on, in, the, in the bus all the time. You know, I try to. Let's not fight about it. You're both right. No, my father can, can play better than his father. But it shouldn't be something. In the proper sense, it's 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 true. Proverbs four says, "For I was my father's son, tender and beloved in the sight of my mother." He's boasting. My father loved me and. My mother was, obviously, if it's Solomon, he had godly parents. But one thing he says is, he taught me also. He boasted that his parents taught him. And you know, even though they meant this in scorn, remember they said of Jesus, is not this the carpenter's son? I wonder if Jesus, when he heard that, didn't, of course, obviously wouldn't take wouldn't have, but I wonder if he thought, you're right. I wonder if he said, it. we're not told that, what a carpenter Joseph was. I was so privileged to be in his family and in his shop. He taught me what I know. And this should be if, are you a, and we'll obviously go to the lowest, perhaps, what, what do you think is the lowest employment? Your father is a trash truck loader? Yeah, that's my dad. Your father used a shovel to dig ditches? My father did. Yeah, my father dug ditches with a shovel before the big equipment came on the scene. My father, you know, your dad set up bowling pins by hand? My dad did that. He did. He, he, yours did too, and you can tell the stories, can't we? Our fathers and mothers worked, didn't they, to put food on our tables. Come home exhausted. There was a point where my mother had to work. She worked in a bank. And she'd take the bus. I wish I was old enough to drive her. But I hear the bus come up and stop, and you know, the, they put the air brake on. You know, she's home. And poor mom, she comes in the door, she's exhausted. Even as a rotten son, a sinner, remember saying, I needed vacuum for mom. That was about the only thing I did. Well, I think dad had me mow too, but I wish I was saved earlier, so I had some more motivation. We boast. And I boast how my mom used to take me everywhere. She didn't have to do that. She wanted to. She had other things to do. Mom, I got a game today. I'll... She gets her purse, gets the keys. Let's go. He, she made me rice pudding and PBJ sandwiches. You know, you try to think back when you're when you're this old of what your mom and dad actually did. But I can remember the rice pudding. I can't eat much of that anymore, but but the PBJ sandwiches. I can remember peanut butter. I don't, I don't know why. It was smooth peanut. I like crunchy now, but it was smooth peanut butter and raspberry jelly. I wish everybody could get up here and say what your dad and mom did when you were young. If, you're, if they're still alive, we should be boasting. Shouldn't we in a humble way? The next thing the Bible says is to entreat our parents. 1 Timothy 5.1, Paul's saying, Timothy, if you have to rebuke an elder, do it in a respectful way. And maybe we should just turn there very quickly. But he, he's, he's, he's teaching Timothy, the young pastor, how to respond when he has to disagree, when he has to... Uh, politely 
correct. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. In other words, don't be harsh to someone older in the church. And he goes on to say, To younger as, as your brother, to elder women as mothers, to younger as sisters. Notice he adds with all purity, be careful especially with the younger women, the single women. But notice, here's how you're to disagree with your father or mother. With respect, entreat them. And I read a couple of these that Jonathan said to his father when he disagreed with him. Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against you, and because his works have been to thee word very good. That's respectful, isn't it? And he goes on to say, Wherefore should he be slain? What has he done? And how should we disagree? I love you. I honor you. I obey you. When there is a command which defies the God who is over all of us, I have to obey God. I cannot defy Him. I cannot accommodate you and dishonor Him. Remember, Saul told his, a servant to slay the priests. He wouldn't do it. That's honorable. Some wicked man, Doeg, did it for him. Sarah and Rebecca shouldn't have lied about their relationship to their husbands. They shouldn't have facilitated the disobedience. Abraham and, and Isaac told their wives to pretend that they were sisters so that they wouldn't be killed. That's pretty selfish, isn't it? I know that we look at Abraham and Isaac, they were godly men, they were men of faith, but they were sinners. Just like we tell people who are getting married, remember, you're marrying a sinner. Saved by grace. That's wicked. And yet they went for it. They should have said no. Abraham, husband, I love you. I cannot lie against my God. It's wrong. We come to the last couple. I know again, I said my time was gone. It's, it's pretty gone. It's almost all gone. But the Bible talks about supporting our parents if we can and if the need arises. 1 Timothy 5 again, verse 4, it says to requite their parents, literally to return repayments. How much did they give out and give out and give out and give out? And the time comes that we should give. Matthew 15, the Pharisees had, had made a tradition that they could circumvent the fifth commandment and not take care of their parents. They said, well, the, their, the dad and mom, the property is given to the Lord. But they wouldn't sell it and give it to the Lord. They waited till their parents died. And then they were able to take the property back. It was all wickedness. And he said, Jesus said in Mark 7, And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father and mother. And I close with the, the fact that the Bible teaches we are responsible for the emotional state of our parents. Do you know how many times in Proverbs it says, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. A foolish son is a grief to his father, and bitterness to her that bear him. A foolish son is the calamity of his father. Over and over again, My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice. And this is over. I've just given a, a sampling of verses in Proverbs. We're responsible for the emotional state of our father and mother. They took a toll, or toll a poll recently and they asked parents, what is, the, what is your fear about your children? And accidents and disease were at the top. But the top five or six were, I fear that they'll be drunks. They'll be drug addicts. And they'll be promiscuous in their, in their uh, lives. 
But if they'd have taken this, obviously, in a Christian environment, wouldn't we have said, oh, that our children would be unsaved and perish? That's the greatest fear. It has to be for you and me. We plead with our, for our sons and our daughters and our grandsons and granddaughters. Oh God, save them. It's like the one man who was lost and promiscuous in his life. and He heard a moaning in the woods and he got closer and closer and heard his mother say, Oh God, save Ben. Oh God, save Ben. And the Lord used it. Monica was pleading with the Lord to save her, husband, her, her son, Augustine. He was promiscuous. He was living with a woman and the Lord worked in his heart. Reminded him of his mother's prayers. And the question is, are we pouring out our hearts to the Lord? Are we burdened for our lost loved ones enough to weep It breaks our hearts to think that we'll meet them at the judgment day and they'll be on the wrong side. Is it enough that they have good jobs and money in the bank and they have all the toys in the world and even if they give us honor on the days, is that enough when they have a soul that's going to live somewhere forever? Have we ever wept a tear lately? What about our, our parents? Do we care about the emotional state? Eli didn't honor the Lord and his sons were dishonorable. David had to see, he had to bury two sons before he was dead. I had to hear my mother say when I sat on her bed one day before I was saved, Mom, why do you have all these wigs? There had to be five or six on these plastic heads. Why do you have these wigs, Mom? And she looked at me and she said, I worry about you, Phil. That's why I'm losing hair. Pulls a wig off. And when I got saved in November of 1978, it was one of the first sins that came into my heart and mind. And I remember saying in my prayer as I was being converted, or maybe I'd been converted. Lord, would you give me a chance to go back and tell my mom? Will you have mercy on mom? And you know, the day came, there were no more wigs on her long dresser. She started to grow her hair back again. My joy was fulfilled. But she worried about what church I was going to, which is okay. And she worried about other things, but Mom, I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved, Mom. We're responsible for the emotional state. I saw my father look outside the, the first door in the vestibule. I thought I was arriving when they were sound asleep and I was drunk as a skunk. And my father appears at the door as I'm reaching to, to, to push the latch, to open the door. And he stands there at the plexiglass and he's looking at me. And he, he looks behind him and he's calling Mom. And Mom comes over. And I was so taken back, I just fell back and just lied on my, on my back. Lost all... Well, what's, I just lost it. Lost my balance. and Shocked. And my father, I can still recall it. Look at that, Nada. That's what my father felt, having a drunk as a son. And I was able to get saved. And my father then could see that God saves drunks. He saves sinners. And I could see my father die. And... He wasn't dying and saying, you have broken your mother's heart and my heart. I could see him die as a believer, as a son saved by grace. This is God's command, but it's for our good. And it's for the prosperity and the peace 
of our fathers and mothers that you and I honor them and love them and obey them as our first neighbors. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it might be well with you and that you might live, live long on the earth, a land the Lord has given us.